Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Herald Express Devon Live Talker United Yellow Army podcast created weekly for you by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. Here you can find everything you ever wanted to know about Talker United. You can find the podcast in the Talker United section of devonlive.com or you can subscribe to us in iTunes or at Acast. So welcome along. Another Yellow Army podcast in uh, in isolation. We're communicating by the miracle of um, of Google Hangouts. I've done Zoom this week. I've done House Party this week, and now I'm on Google Hangouts. I think we're trying to get all of them in, aren't we? Before this is over, I've done a Whereby this week. Where I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, that's another one. That's quite good, actually. Okay. All right. We will try them all out before the end of this. <laughs> we hope we find all our listeners well. Um, just heading into the Easter weekend. It's going to be lovely out there and we're going to have to stay in. So uh, we've got a couple of bits of YouTube footage that we'll recommend for you as we go through this podcast. We've reached D in the A to Z of Talker United. But there's plenty to talk about apart from that. Not least the fact that this week um, saw annual Ben Winter Day which I noticed that the uh, Torquay fans are they're lobbying to have it as a bank holiday, and why wouldn't you? April the 6th every year, Ben Winter Day, the day when Ben Winter slammed in that magnificent equaliser uh, in the very last minute of the game at Woking this time last year. What a fabulous day that's out the, that uh, was. Absolutely, that's, the, that's really the goal that, that, that set us off on the course for promotion, really, wasn't it, or the title? I think it was. It was the. It was that. Um, that result certainly, you know, made made us believe that we were going to win the title. And uh, Ben Winters equalised. I, I I actually watched it in the course of research this morning. Watched it on YouTube. It's all there on the Talk United official channel. And it is a great game of football. Cracking game of football. Of course, we, we were three one down with ten minutes to go. Dead and buried. Absolutely. Um, you know, we were still cheering. You know, we were st- we still thought there was something in it. But then suddenly everything started to go our way. There was Janay's goal. There was Gering sending off for his second yellow card, and then of course um, Ben Winter's amazing equaliser. Great day out. It's one of those games that you know we always say. You know, some games have got everything, and that that really did have everything in that game, didn't it? It did. And and the uh, the video highlights are great. That pass from Rory Keating to Jamie Reid, I'll never tire of watching that pass. Whatever else he does in his yeah. career, Rory, that pass was unbelievable. Absolutely, and we wish him well as well. And you know, a player that was an unsung hero really during that that, that season. Um, but, uh, you know, became a fan's favourite, was a fan's favourite already, really. So, uh, whatever he's up to, wherever he's playing. Um, Gateshead, last time I knew. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's not playing at all at the moment, but Gateshead, um, you know, good on him. Tough times as well, because, I mean, he's just moved. I mean, he's a, he's a, got a young family. He'll be on furlough at Gateshead, I imagine. Uh, if he isn't now, he will be soon. Um, which brings us really to talking about the current state of play at, uh, at Plainmore. The big story this week, which you did for the uh, Herald Express, uh, is that Torquay's management and players are now on furlough, aren't they? Which means that they're not working, and the club, the club has taken advantage of the uh, the government's uh, the government's kind offer of its uh, if its furlough scheme, which makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, there's nothing there's nothing untoward about this. Uh, so many businesses are doing it; it ticks all the boxes. But it, these are tough times, aren't they? They are tough times, and, and you know, 
furlough is happening all, all walks of life now. It's a word that we very few of us knew existed three weeks ago, but now it's uh, such an important wor- word for our for our livelihoods. Um, the fact that we can, you know, as it were, in inverted commas, be laid off but still get paid eighty percent, so that we can be taken back on when all this this stuff that yeah. hangs, hangs over us at the moment is it, it, gone. Um, you know, it, it's everyone's got to take advantage of that, haven't they? Um, we, we need industry and education and everything to be to be up and running again as if nothing had happened when it can be. It does. It, and in and fo- sport, of course, and sport. Yeah. And in football, it points up the differences between the big clubs and the small clubs quite starkly, doesn't it? Because these lads at Torquay are not earning a fortune. Being on furlough, these, you know, these will be testing times for them and their families. But at the other end of the game, there's a lot of flack flying about, isn't there? About Premier League footballers and the amount they're getting paid and the furlough scheme and what have you. I think, I, I mean, I tend to agree with Gary Lineker on this a little bit. I think the footballers are getting a bad deal out of this, a bad press out of this. Because uh, I think a lot of them are doing what they can. I think they just what they just needed was a little bit of guidance. What they didn't need was um, a kick up the backside. But uh, what do you think about that? Well, I think they're easy targets, aren't they? We all know how much money Premiership footballers earn. Um, it's it's way behind our comprehension to earn that kind of money in our lifetime. But um, you know uh, that makes them easy targets. Um, it's, it's a cliche, but they do do a lot for charity. <laughs> well, they, some of the you stories know, are quite remarkable, cliche, aren't they? True. Yeah. Yeah, some of the stories that the players come up with, Sadio Mane is one, isn't he? I mean, there are the players in every club who are doing things for charity. Uh, the Neville brothers are very active in Manchester in, in community work as well, aren't they? They own hotels, don't they? And yeah. uh, they've been giving uh, their hotel rooms to to key workers who uh, you know are working in, in the area and are self isolating. You know, um, it, it takes it only takes a couple of and in inverted commas again idiots um, to kind of sully the reputation of the rest of them. I think yeah. uh, I'm not going to name names, but there have been a couple of people this week who've who've been caught out doing some silly things. That's true. That's very true. But it, I think what the players needed was some guidance. I'm not sure the PFA's covered itself in glory with this. The players could have done with some guidance from the beginning. And then they could have pre- presented some kind of united approach, couldn't they? There seems to be some kind of united approach happening now, doesn't there? Some of the, some of the uh, uh, Jordan Henderson seems to have pulled together people and uh, and put out a sort of an idea and a statement in, with one voice. So you know there are people out there trying to work hard to yeah. to help you know everyone else during this period. I want so I wonder what the talkie players are doing now. Then I mean, presumably they're still sticking to this uh, fitness regime that they've been given. Uh, they'll have to keep themselves in shape because I presume once this lockdown is over, they could be playing a game within days, couldn't they? Well, um, not sure about days because Gary already said in a, an interview with him a couple of weeks ago that you know once once um, they haven't played for a month, which is going to be. You know now and haven't trained together for a month. They're going to need a, a, you know, at least three weeks to to, mm. to get back up to match fitness. So the the season won't be able to. Yeah, you know, the government can't turn around one day and say right lockdown finishes now. Um, events can happen again, which is unlikely to be the way it happens anyway. Mm. Let's face it. Yeah. But that can't happen, and then the football 
football suddenly goes, right, well, it's Saturday, it's, it's time for a game. It's not going to happen like that. There'll have to be three weeks of pre-season training, mid-season training before before football can 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 start again. And there's a lot to put in place. I mean, all of these football clubs are now mothballed. You know, yeah. you can't just walk yeah. in and and get it all running again within a couple of hours. So there'll be there'll be a transition period um, in all sports, not just football, rugby as well. Um, and it will be interesting to see how long that is. But my guess would be, you know, um, as we get closer to the possibility that football can start again in front of a, a, a crowd, then the, the way that things will, will, will ramp up, you know, there'll be suddenly you can go out and, you know, have a bit more exercise. Suddenly you can spend time with your family and it, it will all, it will all be a kind of, a curve up to the point where you know things like theatres open, cinemas open, football starts again. So, a learning curve for all of us. I think it's it's going to be yeah. it's going to be quite interesting. The word they were using on the news the other day was the exit strategy, when um, they weren't entirely sure that anybody had actually come up with one yet, which is understandable because we've never been in this position before. But uh, yeah, you, as you say, never worry about exit strategies when when people haven't come up with one. <laughs> That's a very good point. Nobody ever says, I've got an exit strategy, do they? No. no, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. But these players are going to end up, they'll end up like fatty folk if they're not, um, if they're not careful. The, um, the Sheffield United and Chelsea and England goalkeeper who was 24 stone. They'll all be... He was, yeah. I've yeah. seen photos of Mr Falk. Uh, uh, quite a large gentleman. Indeed, indeed. You have to hope that none of these footballers actually end up taking their eye off the ball to that extent before all this is over. I will say, though, that, that and this is no disrespect to any goalkeepers that I'm not going to mention the names of, but having covered um, non-league football uh, over the last 10, well, 20 years or whatever, in and out, um, I have... I have watched games where there have been some some larger goalkeepers, yeah. um, and especially up in up, up in uh, the, the United Counties League, there was one goalkeeper I can think of who was playing for a team up there who was very large, but actually was a bloody good goalkeeper <laughs> and would put most of the, the thin and skinny goalkeepers to shame. Um, so you know, it, it may be the fact that they don't quite have to do so much running around, but you know, if if, if they've got it. Um, they're still good enough to play at that level, and that was that was a reasonably high level. That was Buckland's kind of level. Well, and, and there, I mean, there are notable examples, aren't there? I mean, Neville Southall was not a, a slip of a lad by any stretch of the imagination when he played at Torquay. We all remember Norman Medhurst going on um, during a pause in play in his first game for Torquay and going on with the surgical scissors to um, ease the pressure in his jersey a little bit, just to um, give him a little bit more room to breathe. And also, when we get to the teams of players beginning with D, we'll um, we'll discuss a goalkeeper who was known as the Flying Pig, rather unkindly, I think. But he was given that nickname during his career. We'll come to him in a minute. Well, that's the first I've heard of that nickname, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, George Edwards released a statement, didn't he, this week? Which was um, it was a good statement. I like, you know, we will be back and we will win and win again. Um, you know, he's he's. He's quite bullish about the prospects for the club once all this is over, isn't he? Absolutely. And uh, the response as well from the Talking United Supporters Trust, Trust um, uh, released by Nick Broderick, you know, was was good as well. Um, thanking him for, for his words. Uh, we, we all know that they haven't had the, they've been the, the, the best of bedfellows. Uh, um, 
Messrs, Clark Osborne and George Edwards <clears throat> and Tust. You know, they've had their uh, their friction, as yeah. it were. Um, obviously, they I, I think they've both got the, 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 the good of the club at heart, but um, there would be some that disagree with that, but that's that's my reading in it at the moment. Um, but, you know, Nick uh, put out a statement saying, you know, that they fully backed uh, George Edwards' statement um, and were pleased that, you know, there were references to once uh, football's back, you know, let, let's go for it and, and go for promotion. So, you know, in these times, it, it's good that everyone's kind of trying to sing off the same sheet. Absolutely, you know I mean? absolutely. Okay, so this brings us, I think, to um, to the D in the A to Z of Torquay United. Um, it, I can't believe it's only four weeks we've been doing this. It's, it's the D in the A to Z. This is going to was, get was us the through. Remotely, A. So the, the, the one before that was the last one we did at your house. Yeah, so that's four weeks. It's three weeks, isn't it, if this is the fourth? Yeah, yeah. yeah so there, there we go. That's how long it's been going. D is four. D is for derbies. D is for local derbies, bo- yeah. boxing days. Yeah. I mean, they're not local derbies, but this weekend, don't forget, we should have been playing Barnet tomorrow afternoon and we should have been travelling up to Aldershot on Monday, which kind of counts as a local derby in our book, doesn't it? Or it certainly did. Uh, a couple of seasons ago when there were no local teams in our league at all. But we all remember Boxing Days down at Argyle and New Year's Days up at Exeter and uh, hopefully those will be coming back one day soon. When we used to play uh, Argyle, not so much for some reason, but when we used to play Exeter, I used to wake up in the morning in cold sweats <laughs> and actually I hated the days. Really? I hated them. Yeah. Just because of what could happen and did Quite often happen, and uh, no, I, I, I might not be the only person who feels this, but I might be the only person who says it. But I could do without them, to be honest with you. Really? Oh no, I'm quite the opposite. I absolutely loved it, especially a trip down to Argyle or a trip up to um, St James's Park. It's always, always good stuff. I know what you mean, though. There was the uh, the two leg playoff game, wasn't there, in two thousand and eight, whenever it was, when we beat Exeter up there and everything looked absolutely set fair for um, Torquay to go to Wembley in the playoff final if I remember rightly Kevin Hill actually put us in front as well didn't he in the second leg and then everything went horribly wrong do you want a story about that yes (laughs) no hesitation there (laughs) you know uh, that I did a song uh, under the name Kevin Hill Fan Club during that season to commemorate Torquay's Visit to Wembley in the uh, FA Trophy. I do. I'm very good at his too. I'll say that because you won't. <laughs> so I did it anonymously because I was living in London at the time and uh, completely anonymously sent it to the club. They started playing it. Um, I also sent it to media outlets and, and, and stuff. And uh, ITV sent a camera crew to... Uh, for, to, to do a video uh, of me, my friend Sean, and uh, our friend Andrea, who recorded it, um, standing outside Wembley playing guitars and miming to it, which is what we did, which was great. <laughs> but and that was on telly. I've, I've got it all. I've got the footage somewhere. Yeah. So that was on telly down here. Um, I didn't see it because I was I was up, 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 up in London, but I did get a copy sent to me. But that that was the day that we did the video. And the camera crew were watching me watch that game. Oh, no. And obviously it didn't turn out as we expected. And yeah. then I had to get up after we'd gone out of the playoffs 
drive the five miles to Wembley because that's more or less where I lived in Wilsdon and uh, and pretend to be really happy that we were going to be playing uh, playing the uh, FA Trophy. Oh no, shocker! It's a good song though. Played, interesting day. played it on the radio a few times. It's um, it's a good song. We'll play that for you. Maybe when we get to H in the alphabet, and Kevin Hill crops up, we will play that song Absolutely. on the podcast. Yeah. How about that? D is also for the Devon Bowl, the Devon uh, Devon Cup or whatever it's called. Uh, I like I like I cup mean, football. So names. I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of that competition. Although I think it's a very long time since we last won it. The um the, the Devon Bowl the bowl bit seems to be dropped by the Devon FA. Yeah, everyone uses it. Everyone yeah. calls it the bowl. I think it's now the Devon FA Challenge Cup or something like that. But oh. obviously, to everyone else, it's still the bowl. Yeah, and and honestly, um, going back in time when I was working for the club and used to do the, the website and, and and write up even the Devon Bowl games, etc. You know, it used to be great to go to places like Barnstable, Torrington. Will and um, yeah. Creditor, you know, all these places that, you know, um, exist underneath our, our level of football. I, I cover those teams, obviously, in, in different papers. But it used to be a lovely day out, especially sort of um, nice evening out um, and, and younger players getting a chance, yeah. squad players yeah. getting a chance, you know. And and those players who were playing for the opposition quite often enjoying the, the chance to play against some of the players that are, you know playing in the first team. Yeah, and and beat them on occasions as well. As, and uh, beat them on occasions, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a very big learning curve for the youth players sometimes. Like, Torquay had a, a, a lovely youth team during the period when um, uh, Richard Hancock was running that 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 for uh, for um, Leroy Senior's first team <clears throat> players like. Um, Kenny Griffiths, um, Kane Bond, yeah, uh, yeah. Mike Williamson, you know, players like that, uh, Lucas Burgess, uh, Graham Killery, I could go on there. There were some really good players in that in that squad. And I enjoyed going out with those and playing, you know, the likes of Binford yeah. and, uh, and whoever. And uh, but, but they would get beaten occasionally. And, you know, it would hurt them. It would hurt them. Yeah. Uh, one of my first football matches that I remember watching at Plainmore was a Devon Bowl game between Plymouth and Exeter, which must have been a Devon Bowl right. final, played at a neutral ground, I imagine. But I remember being taken to that. It would have been about 68 or 69 or something like that. And I remember watching Plymouth play Exeter at Plainmore in the Devon Bowl. Somebody out there will know what happened in that game and why it was at Plainmore. But I, I remember that very, very well. I can't remember I have also got two, I've got two more memories of the Devon Bowl. Um, do you remember that we started the season that Leroy's team won promotion without David Graham because he got sent off in the final game of the season before, the Devon Bowl final, when I had to miss the first three games of the Football League? Of course, uh, yeah. I'd forgotten that. League. So that that was a ridiculous decision on, on you know, whatever. Um, and then secondly, didn't Torquay win a Devon Bowl game, maybe a final, when the groundsman scored the winning goal? At Exeter? I don't remember that. Now, the groundsman scored the winning goal. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a pub quiz question uh, if ever I heard one. I'm talking 15 years ago or something. Someone will be able to help us out here. Uh, there's a weird moment. I might have dreamt that, you know. That's, that that <laughs> does read like a dream, doesn't it? You didn't dream that you were the groundsman and you got called on to take say, a penalty. I was that something. groundsman. Yeah. yeah. My last memory of the Devon Bowl is a penalty shootout at Plainmore 
I can't remember who we were playing. I think it was Devon Bolt. But Lee Mansell took the last penalty and it may still be going up. It was so far really? over the bar. He hit it so hard. It was it was a danger to satellite traffic more than a danger to the goalkeeper. But uh, he didn't miss very many. But he certainly missed that one by a distance. <laughs> we come to the team of players. Um, I, but before, actually, before we do that, we've got, we're, we're going to term the list of shame. We've got people pointing things out to us that we've missed out that really should have been on our A to Z. One that we missed out when we got to the Bs, unbelievably, is um, the Bristows, Paul and Thea Bristow, without whom I think it's fair to say the club wouldn't be where it is today. It would, certainly wouldn't be in quite such rude health as it is today. And, uh, of course, no, we, we owe the name of Bristow's bench to uh, Paul Bristow. Lottery, about to be. Yeah, lottery winners who did absolutely nothing but good with, uh, with the money that they won in the lottery, which you can't say for all of them, I don't think. No, I, I think a shining example of how to spend your lottery money, yeah. to, be, to be perfectly honest. Absolutely, uh, wonderful things for the club. So we missed them out. When we did the players with the Bs, we missed John Benson, which uh, one or two people mentioned to me that John Benson should probably be in there. But the worst one, yeah, in the C team last week, where we had Steve Cooper and Dave Caldwell up front, we did not have Sammy Collins even on the bench. Sammy Collins, 380 games for Torquay, between 48 and 58. He was the leading scorer seven seasons in a row. He scored 219 goals for Torquay in all competitions, nine of nine hat-tricks. Uh, he got 42 in one season, and he is Torquay's all-time top goal scorer. And we had such a, a, a plethora of riches in our C team last week that we were able to leave him out. What did he do again to actually deserve a place, Kai? Yeah, I can't think of anything. You know, there's stats, there's, there's <laughs> you know, statistics. Well, you know, you know what they say about statistics. But uh, yeah, sorry about that. Apologies to those uh, who mentioned that we left out Sammy Collins, which brings us on to the D team. Uh, the D team. There's some good players in this team. The goalkeeper. Then let's deal with the flying pig first of all, which I think Tell is me a, about the a very unfair way of referring to Kevin Dearden who was a very good oh. goalkeeper, part of the promotion team. Yeah, I, yeah, I, knew, I knew Kevin because I was working for the club at the time, yeah. and uh, I, I've never heard that, that nickname, so well, the, that's a new one on me. The Brentford supporters apparently gave him that nickname. Right. Uh, not right. ours. Our, our supporters are far too gentlemanly and, um, and sportsmanlike to, uh, to do anything like that. But he played 100 games for Torquay between 2001 and 2005. He was one of those... Go he was such a good goalkeeper. He'd started off at Spurs, hadn't he? And he'd been out on loan yeah. to various clubs. He'd played for Brentford and Wrexham before he came to us. But uh, he was a member of the Galacticos, wasn't he? That promotion team, the Alex Russell team, the team that makes us all get a little bit um, teary-eyed. Uh, he was such a good player. Good goalkeeper. Um, a really, really nice bloke as well. Um, one of the, 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 the really nicest footballers I've ever met, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, great goalkeeper. Great, great goalkeeper. Uh, not an unusual shape for the. Uh, I guess that's where the, the name might come from. Not, I'm not being unkind. He, he was short and slightly uh, rounder than your usual goalkeeper. And um, but but you know what, what, what a fantastic shot stopper. Yeah. Uh, John Turner once said to me when I used the term "he's a good shot stopper" in a press box um, that, that 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 that's the least you should be to be a goalkeeper and not to use that term. That's interesting. But, you know, yeah. 
he he had good reactions and he, he knew where to put himself. Yeah. And for, for someone who I don't think was was quite six foot, which is unusual for a goalkeeper, um, you know, he he was already at a disadvantage. So he always he had to work harder. His positioning was very good, if I remember rightly. He was very, very yeah. good at narrowing down the angles and, and making sure the striker didn't have a great deal to aim at. Yeah, good, Absolutely. Good um, yeah. Mm. I, I don't know why this is coming to my head, um, but it's coming to my head out of nowhere. And it'll be, it'll be around the same period. But um, do you remember... I don't know where this has come from. Do you remember an Alex, Alex Russell free kick that went round the wall when we were playing Boston and their goalkeeper, Paul Bostock, tried to save it, smacked his head against the, the post. And uh, there's a lovely photo of the man with a, with a, a basically a, um, a golf ball-sized lump on his head, which came up immediately like it does in the cartoon. Yeah. I, don't... That's just come to I think he was just thinking about that team. I don't remember that. We'll look out for that picture. Okay, into the defence yeah. in our D team. At right back, we've got a fellow by the name of Peter Dark. Who's an, he's another one. Another one for the Minehead connection. He um, he started off with Argyle. He had six years at Argyle. Then he played for Exeter. He's one of those players to have played for all three Devon clubs. Then he played for Torquay between 1977 and 1979. Played 59 games uh, for Torquay. Yeah. And then went on to play for Minehead. Uh, according yeah. to Wikipedia, he's working as a salesman um, somewhere. Hopefully, still enjoying the game. Still a good player. I remember watching him play quite a lot. Don't know much about him, so uh, I, I would have been watching them at the time. But he's obviously uh, escaped me. Indeed. Uh, also, at fullback, <coughs> of course, Dizzy himself, Liam Davis, is in um, is in yeah, Julian's well, Julian's D team. Eighty-one we, games um, for us so far. Three goals so far. He's a goal machine, isn't he, for a left back? We uh, we've missed him, haven't we? I think we have. Injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He brings I mean, that quality no to the side, doesn't he? Yeah, it's no coincidence that um, when uh, him and um, uh, Ben Winter were both injured at the same time, um, that disrupted the, the way that we were playing and mm. the team was losing. The, the, that's not. A co- uh, he does love to get forward as well, doesn't he, Liam Davis? When he gets the ball at his feet and sets off down the left, especially when it's in front of the pop side, uh, good things happen, don't they? Yes, absolutely. No, good player, good player. Good player. And good pe- he came with a good pedigree. Do you remember, uh, he was signed by Kevin Nicholson, I think, if my memory serves me right, I think it does. Um, but he turned up with an injury and we didn't ever think we'd see him play. No, that's right. He missed a lot of the start of his uh, that first season there, didn't he? He missed a lot of games. I think I think it was three months before he played a game, but you know once he played a game, then it was obvious why Kevin had signed him. Indeed, if there's one good thing about this uh, furlough period, at least when it's over, Dizzy will be fit again. Yeah, that, that's gonna that's gonna happen to quite a lot of players yeah. who, who maybe thought their season was over, and now um, they get a they, they get a, an extra period of time to to finish off the season. There you go, accentuate the positives. That's what we're all about. Okay, in the in the heart of that defence then is of course Aaron Downs, still at Torquay. Gary Johnson's number two, but uh, a, a illustrious playing career. Played 109 games for Torquay, scored 15 goals. Like to know how many of those were headers. I imagine probably about 14 of them. 
when he was in the box at corners, there was always a possibility, wasn't there? Great header of the ball. I mean, he played for Chesterfield. Um, he was actually signed at Chesterfield by Roy McFarlane, which gives him another slight um, Torquay United connection. It was Roy McFarlane who pointed him in that direction. This is all according to Wikipedia, by the way. Um, he was our 2013 Player of the Year. Um, and then Gary Johnson took him to Cheltenham. But he captained Cheltenham into the Football League and he'd also played for Australia at uh, under-21 and under-23 levels. So uh, an illustrious name to have at the club. We were, we were, just before lockdown happened, we were treated to um, uh, an example of his coaching skills, weren't we? At the, uh, the training ground when he was, before the game, I can't remember which game it was, but before one of the games, he was showing videos to the coaching staff yeah. and highlighting... Um, things that they should be looking at in the performance of the, the, the opposing team. And it was quite interesting, you know, standing there with a little pad um, and a big screen, just going through stuff. Um, Incredibly you know, thorough. The, the level of detail. I, I think I was surprised. I don't know if you were as well, because it's the first time I'd actually been privy to one of those kind of briefings. The actual level of detail on every play. It was Chorley, if I remember rightly. It was the, and the Chorley team... Dissected minutely by Aaron, you know, yeah. with the information that he'd got and the information that he'd gleaned, um, weaknesses in the Chorley team. Uh, we were, of course, um, sworn to secrecy and, and wouldn't divulge anything about that anyway. But it was very impressive the way it was done. It was no, it was it was a, it was it was good to be there and watch that. It was nice. It was so. Yeah, Aaron Downs is there, and the other um, the other player in that defence is an Irishman by the name of Jimmy Dunn, who had two actually. Oh, Eh? I met Jimmy Dunn. Yeah, nice guy. Very, um, very nice guy. I I was in reception at Talk United when he wandered in one day to ask to, to see uh, Roy McFarland. Yeah. Um, uh, which he obviously went off and, off and did. Um, but um, I didn't know, know who he was. And I, yeah, I, I think I was behind the counter or something. And, and uh, um, it turned out it was Jimmy Dunn. And it was Jimmy Dunn that... Um, the Derby County manager, uh, who I can't remember the name of, was was watching uh, on the day that Roy McFarland played for... Oh, God. Now, who was he playing for? Let me start that again. <laughs> Dar- Derby, Derby County... Yeah. The Derby County scout came to Torquay to watch Jimmy Dunn, saw Roy, Roy McFarland playing for the opposition and signed Roy McFarland. Is that right? That, that, there you go. That's a significant milestone in football history. It's one of those sliding doors moments, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Roy went on to play for England and, yeah. uh, and, and you know, win the league with Derby. Interesting thing about Jimmy Dunn is he had two long spells with Torquay. When you're looking at these things, you usually find that a player who's played for the same team twice will have a long spell with them. Then he'll go away to seek his fame and fortune and then maybe come back for a handful of games towards the end of his career. But these are two long spells for Jimmy Dunn. From 67 to 70, he played 126 games for Torquay. And then from 76 to 79, he played another 122. So two long spells at Torquay. He had a testimonial. One of my first jobs in journalism was to, um, to work with Mike Green on his weekly column in the Torbay News. Um, I used to get okay. sent up. I used to get sent up to Playmore every uh, every week to sit down with Mike Green, 
and uh, you know help compose his column. Anybody who reads a manager's column in a newspaper will know full well that there's a journalist behind it somewhere. Um, yeah. And when I was up there, they um, they took me on one side and they said, "Would I give Jimmy Dunn a hand to um, organise his testimonial, get the publicity going on that?" And that was a great pleasure. And really, really nice fella to work with, Jimmy. Um, and I can't remember who they played in his testimonial, but I hope it went well for him. There are a couple of players, aren't there, who have, who have written their own uh, columns, and it's been it's been good enough to to with a little bit of tweaking to publish as is. But um, generally, there is someone uh, on a phone or, or or taking a copy that they've sent in and, and writing it up, isn't there? Yeah, a ghost writer, somewhere. a ghost writer somewhere. Midfield a fellow called Roy Davies is in the midfield. Uh, he was at Torquay from 1978 to 1980, played 70 games, scored six goals, came from Reading. I don't remember him terribly well. It's a terrible thing because I would have watched the team in those days. But he did go off... Well, that's, what about, that's what I was saying about uh, the other player, Peter Dart, that you mentioned. Um, sometimes, you know, you probably watch these players 50 times, maybe 40, 30 times. And unfortunately... I don't remember them. I don't remember out, Roy either. Slip out of your memory. Interestingly, he went on to play for Porin Palatovrit in Finland, who are now known as FC Jazz, and they crop up in um, in Champions League or at the lower levels of um, of the other the Europa Cup every now and then, representing Finland. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a joke, but I should stay <laughs> well here. I think. Another uh, Wayne Dobbins is in there in the midfield as well. Wayne Dobbins does not have an entry on Wikipedia at all. But um, oh, okay. have you got the big book there oh, by any chance? Wayne I do remember him as a player. Um, I don't know what, it's one of these silly things. A horse always enters yeah. my head. It's got the name of a horse. We're, um, we're, we're doing scant justice to Wayne Dobbins. If he's listening in, profuse apologies. Oh, I meant, I meant because of the surname. Not no, no. Surname, yeah. Not 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 that he was a cart horse in any kind of a way. No, no, no. Ryan Dixon is in there, of course. Ryan Dixon, who'd be left midfield or left back, still technically a member of the squad, although he's on long-term loan to Truro. Long career Dicko had. He's in Argyle, Brentford, Southampton, Colchester, Crawley and Yeovil before joining us in 2018. A member of the National League South Championship winning side, of course. Good player, Oh, so I don't think we saw the best of Ryan Dixon. I think you know if we'd had him a couple of seasons sooner, it would have been uh, it would have been a different story. They're enjoying him down at uh, Truro. Um, he's you know doing really well for for them down there. Um, uh, each report that I get in from Rod Mitchell, who covers Truro for the Cornish papers, you know, quite often highlights his his. Uh, Endeavours yeah. there, so um, yeah, well done on him for for that. You know, I, I completely agree with you. We haven't, we didn't see the best of him. He was injured for a long while, of course. Um, you know, uh, but obviously a good player in his time. Very, very good player indeed. Yeah, and the other player in the midfield, who's probably the biggest name in the D team, Derek Dawkins. Derek, the dude Dawkins is in there. Um, 175 games for Torquay. Uh, he played for Leicester, Mansfield and Bournemouth before he came to us in 1984. He was Player of the Year in 1986. He played in the Bryn, the Police Dog game against Crewe 
1987, as did one of our strikers that we'll come to. Here's a fact that, I, that Wikipedia throws at us. He played in the last game at the old Hewish Stadium for Yeovil and the first game at the new one. So there's a little claim to fame that I didn't know about the dude. If there is a, such a thing as a Talk United legend for more than just his, his footballing prowess, but, but his character as well, yeah. then it's, uh, it's Derek Gims, isn't it? Um, uh, and of course, a real I was there moment, his goal against Tottenham. Yes. Um, in the league. Yeah, I, yeah, you you, know, you, I can Did you run on the pitch at the end? I, I have to be ashamed and admit that I did run on the pitch at the end. I was one of the people who... Um, who was cleared off by the police dogs at the end, but it was all very good natured. Everybody just wanted to go and shake Derek Dawkins' hand, didn't they? Absolutely, there's a lovely picture of him being held up by fans. I think standing yeah. uh, on the shoulders of the fans carried off. Um, you know, great, great man, great player. Um, of course, his son also uh, Troy. Yeah. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. Was it? Uh, Dawkins, Dawkins. I can't his son's first name, but his son was a trainee with the club for yeah. a couple of years. Um, might have might have played in some of those Devon Bowl games I was talking about. <laughs> Quite probably did. The uh, the game against Spurs, of course, is um, on YouTube. As we're all at home and we're looking for things to do over the Easter holiday weekend, while you're browsing YouTube, you can have a look at that. The commentary is by our old mate David Willis, by the way, who is um, now the BBC's America correspondent and crops up all the time on the BBC. He used to be working for the local media down here. He worked for Devon Air for a while. Good to hear his voice. Chris Waddle hits the bar early in the game. I've watched it this morning, as you can probably tell. <laughs> David Howells, uh, brother of Gareth, forces a great save from Kenny Allen. And the goal comes after 86 minutes. A poor clearance. And the dude lashes it in, in front of the old mini stand end from the edge of the box. And uh, what a great yeah, goal it is. I, I can see it in my head. I mean, you know... And I, I, it was quite, quite, quite a crowd that day, and I was in the pop side, that end of the pitch as well. Yeah. And I think I almost crushed. I mean, I, I was a small, small lad. Um, well, I was in, you know, I was in my probably late teens, but I was still a small lad. Yeah. And um, you know, did did suffer suffer there for a while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's an interview on the video. There's an interview with Derek Derek Dawkins after the game, and he's uh, he's asked what he thinks that uh, what he thinks is going to happen in the second leg, and he says it'll be Tottenham nil, Torquay two. Scorers Dawkins and one other. He was confident it actually ended up Spurs, Spurs three, Torquay nil in the second leg. But uh, fair play. But uh, what, what game they gave yeah, of course, in those days, two legs in the FA Cup. If it was now, yeah. oh, sorry, sorry, the League Cup. If it was now, we would have been through and probably in the final. And you know, the rest uh, of the, the rest would be history. History would have checked. But it was always a joy to watch the dude play, wasn't it? As as you say, it was a great character for the fans. Always had time to chat to the fans. You know, we've had numerous chats with the dude over the years. You know, officially and unofficially, and a, a really nice guy to talk to. He's absolutely, and uh, uh, you know, let's let, let's let's. Let's remember that he was a black player when there weren't many black players around. That's true. And, um, you know, uh, did a lot for, for 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 public perception of black players and people. I think. Indeed, he's very active on Twitter as well. The dude, if you find him on Twitter, he's very uh, he's very politically motivated these days. He, he tweets a lot. The dude. So if you find him on Twitter, okay. you have some interesting exchanges with him. Up front, okay. then there are two players up front: Dwayne Darby is one of your strikers, Dwayne Darby, who joined Torquay as a trainee back in the day, an apprentice, in fact, 92 to 95, 
he was at Torquay, 108 games, 26 goals, scored on his debut a defeat at home to Reading when he was still a trainee before he even signed pro forms. That's not a bad ratio, is it? Not um, bad at all. You know, that's and for a, for a striker, that's that's not bad at all. Um, he was part of that youth team that had some really good players in it, wasn't he? Uh, Darren Moore was, was part of that at the same time, wasn't he? Yeah. Adrian Foster was in that that youth team as well, I think. Um, if I might be wrong, but I'm, but he was surely part of the the, the first team anyway. That's uh, yeah, there were some good players around that period that came through. Uh, not least because of. Uh, Someone we talked about last week, Paul Compton. Us. They, they were the YTS lads, weren't they? They were. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, they did. They got a good grounding, didn't they? Very good indeed. Now, Dwayne Darby went on from Torquay. Long career, played for Doncaster, Hull, Notts County, Rushton and Diamond, Shrewsbury, and others. He does still hold a club record at Hull. Apparently, six goals in one game against Whitby in the FA Cup. So he still holds a whole city wow. club record. But he's now manager of Redditch in the Southern League Premier. So still involved. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah, so he's uh, still involved in the game. I'm guessing that he was one of those those brummy boys that came because of um, John James' his scouting network up in up in Birmingham. I think so. We picked Which up a lot. Those... Darren Moore and Lee Sharp, you know, those players that have missed out on chances up there. Uh, that he he discovered and brought down to Torquay, and of course he went on to John James. This is went on to Plymouth Argyle and did a similar job with with Birmingham based players there. Brought some good players down, didn't he? Some very good players indeed. Yeah. And alongside Over him, the Jays. Yeah. Alongside him up front is none other than Paul Dobson. Of course, you can't possibly have a Torquay United representative team without having Paul Dobson in it. Apparently he's a welder in Newton Aycliffe now. If you've seen the Netflix documentary, the uh, the brilliant Netflix documentary, The Jaws of Victory, he's outstanding in that, isn't he? He's uh, he's very much the star of that. Talking of characters, there, there's a character for you. He, Absolutely. He brings that, that, obviously, our good friend Dave Thomas brings that alive. If anyone does really bring that Netflix thing alive, is 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 when you first meet Paul Dobbo. It's Dobbo, isn't it? Isn't it? What a what a guy. Uh, of course, it was May 1987. He scored the goal in injury time that gave us the 2-2 draw with Crew that kept us up and sent Lincoln down that year. We'll never, ever forget that. And the, there are so many pictures. There's video of that goal. He scored so many goals in his career, but um, that one really is, is the one, isn't it? And if you're going to spend half an hour doing anything, watch that documentary because his own description of his goal is marvellous. <laughs> It is. It is. That's, I'm going to go and look that up again. I haven't seen that for a little while. <laughs> and there is one more player who, um, who who's on the bench, so to speak, as well, and it, it does bring back a particular football memory for me. On the bench, a player called Roscoe Desane, who was a member... Okay, so he, he played okay. 2008-2009. For, for a non-league newspaper at the time, and uh, I think he came from Wimbledon, didn't he? Or he did. he had been at Wimbledon. He had been at Wimbledon. Um, he scored 12 goals in 46 games for Torquay, which again is not really? bad. Not bad, is it? That's not bad at all. I didn't realise that was his, that was his uh, ratio. Good. He wasn't here for all that long, but he did score a goal that I remember particularly well, and it's probably one of the best away game memories I've got. A lot of people will will have been at this one. Northwich Victoria away on March the 21st, 2009. 
strange little ground in Northwich in the middle of an industrial estate. There's kind of dust hanging in the air. It's very, it was a cold, cold Easter day, dusty hanging in the air, big crowd. Chalky really needed a decent result. Uh, we were one nil down at half time. Chris Todd got one back. Then they went two one up. Tim Sills equalised. And then in the 76th minute, Roscoe Desane scored the goal that won the game for us. But the thing I remember the most about it was Northwich was one of those grounds. There was nothing behind one of the goals apart from an open paddock. So we were all standing right next to the goal. And you hear a ground like that, which you don't hear at a big ground with a big crowd, the sound of the ball hitting the net. It's a unique sound. The sound of the ball hitting the net. It's a great sound. You hardly ever hear it. You only hear it when you do it yourself, very rarely. Uh, Or something like that you hear it but you don't expect to hear it at that level no that's right and and I remember that goal going in Roscoe Desane scoring hearing the ball hitting the net and Desane came and ran straight into the thick of the fans that were standing behind the goal there my daughter and I watched the highlights on TV later the same night to see ourselves going absolutely nuts behind the goal with Roscoe Desane uh, it's just one of those every fan will have one of those moments at an away game where they just uh, they just remember it so well. But that was an odd day, Northwich. It must have been Easter. Um, it was perishing cold. Uh, there you go. That's uh, Roscoe Desane will always be um, always be well remembered in this household for uh, for that reason. Excellent stuff. I've got a couple more here. Yeah. I've been looking at the book. Now, obviously, the uh, the Lee, Lee uh, Edwards book only goes up to two thousand, so we're just looking back from there. But um, we didn't mention Andy Donnelly. No, we didn't. Great goalkeeper. 160 goals. That's 160 <laughs> goals. That wouldn't be bad for a goalkeeper. That wouldn't be a bad return at all. Andy Donnelly, yeah. After, uh, and comes from, I, I didn't know this until right now, but comes from uh, where my, my, um, my stepsons live in Lanark. Oh, right. Okay, oh, there you go. How could we leave him? So, Andy Donnelly. And the other... The other, the other one that I'm just, just going to mention because of the mem- memories of him, um, and I've lost him now. Where's he gone? <laughs> O'Neill Donaldson. Do you remember O'Neill Donaldson? I do remember O'Neill Donaldson. Had been a decent player, um, but only played 12 games, uh, was a striker, scored one goal, um, came at the, the end of a season, um, very tall fella, um, was meant to be brilliant, uh, didn't really work. Um, injuries, I think. Yeah. Um, that would have been under Lee, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I do remember him. I do remember him indeed. So that brings us, I think, to the end of our A to Z, uh, the, the D team in the A to Z. E team next week, and a few more E's to talk about next week. Um, we're at the end of the agenda, Richard, unless you have any other business to add to this uh, this week's podcast. Uh, yeah, we've got it. He's he's got it all the way down to N now. Okay, I can only see about twelve E teams in this this book. Uh, we, e players in this book. You know, we we might have done that. We might have to be creative on some of these letters, but right, he's, right. he's done us proud. He's got us well down into the alphabet already. So uh, we'll uh, we'll, we'll be back with it next week. Have a good Easter, everybody. Um, sorry there's no football over Easter, but we've pointed you at a couple of YouTube clips that might keep you going for a little while. Hope you all stay healthy. 
and uh, one day we'll be podcasting again when it doesn't sound as if you're talking from the bottom of a, a galvanized bin Richard it would be um, it would be much nicer <laughs> to, uh, to... I, when, I've listened to them, when I've listened to them afterwards it doesn't sound too bad but I, I do have quite a good pair of earphones and I'm listening to them through a computer I think if you try and listen to it on your phone I might be sounding slightly distant a little bit tinny but uh, thanks for your company thanks for your time this has been the Yellow Army podcast and as always Come on, you yellows. You've been listening to the Herald Express, Devon Live, Talker United, Yellow Army podcast, recorded weekly by David Thomas and Guy Henderson. You can find this podcast by clicking devonlive.com or by following us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash DL, or on Twitter at TQHE Sport. You can also subscribe on iTunes, search for Talkie United on the iTunes app. Please leave us a review wherever you can. We welcome all feedback. Thank you very much for listening. Join us again next week.